Wasn't that a beautiful piano solo? Oh, it's so beautiful. And it's so true. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith, when we get saved, brings our soul to heaven. And that's little faith. Little faith. When we come to Christ in little faith, he saves us. He brings our soul to heaven. But when we have great faith in him, he brings heaven to our souls. And he gives us victory. And he gives us encouragement. And we're starting a new year and it's a blessing to start this new year. We're only 11 days in. Mike referred to it this morning. Mike Hyde, when he's sharing. But we thank God that we start off each year with the Lord. We end each year with the Lord. And he's with us in between. And he's with us from the time we get saved until the time we reach heaven. And he knows what we're going to go through. And he loves us and he cares for us. And we're thankful for that. Shall we just open in prayer? Father, we just pray now that you, by the Holy Spirit, will speak to our hearts and encourage us and challenge us in our walk, Lord. We desire to please you. We desire to have faith and trust in you. We desire to give our all to you every day of this year. And so, Father, we pray that you'll hide me behind the cross. Speak through your word, Lord, in a personal way to each person. And we pray that we would go home, change people. And if there's anyone here who's not saved, Lord, that they would accept you, Lord Jesus, as their Lord and Savior. We just commit this time to you and pray that you will direct this meeting in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, it's amazing. We begin a new year and we're thankful for the Lord. And he is a great God. He's an awesome God. He's a loving and personal God. And all he wants us to do is obey him. As we sang that, trust and obey, have faith and rely on him. But what happens in our lives is we start, we start off real well with that. And then all of a sudden things happen difficulties, problems come along, big major situations occur in our life. And then we start to rely on ourselves, our own thinking, our own wisdom, our own plans, our own directions, thinking that we can handle it. And we find very soon that we trip and fall because we're not relying on the Lord. But when we rely on him, we find out that the Lord is good all the time. And all the time, the Lord is good and he's with us. And he's our everything. And so the title of our message today is the Lord is our enough. The Lord is our enough. Because when you have the Lord in your life, you have enough. You may not have enough so-called of this world's goods. You may not think you have enough money or riches or fame of this world. But when you have Jesus Christ, you have everything you need for now and for eternity. And all the other things he gives us are like the cherry on top of the Sunday, right? He blesses our lives so tremendously. He loads blessings on us every day. And all he wants us to do is to trust him by faith. And as soon as we commit ourselves to that kind of a life of living by faith in this world, our faith is going to be tested. It's going to be tested. And there's a man in the Bible whose faith was tested Time after time after time. That's clue number one. Number two, he lived in the days of Genesis. That's clue number two. Clue number three, he's known as the father of faith. That's clue number three. Number four clue is he's found in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 as one of the Hall of Faith members. 
Well, I think you all know we're talking about Abraham. But his name wasn't always Abraham. His name started off as Abram. And God changed his name to Abraham. And he married a lady who was named Sarai. That was her original name. And God changed her name also to Sarah. And when the Lord does great things in our life and he saves us, he changes us. We're not the same old person anymore. Our sins are forgiven. The past is wiped away. He gives us a new life in Jesus Christ and gives us hope and peace and joy in him. And he does it for every Christian. Everyone who gets saved has that life. But then after that, as we actually walk with the Lord, our faith is personalized. It's personalized through the trials he sends in our lives, through the blessings he sends in our lives, through the different things that happen to us. And he gives us that faith to go through life with his help. And I'm thankful for that. He doesn't just give us a one size only Christian faith. He's with us. You know, if you go to the clothing store, whether it's Men's Warehouse or you go to Macy's or you go to any of these these stores. You can go to the rack and you can pick out a suit, right? Gentlemen, you go, you pick out this suit. I'd like to buy this suit. What's the first thing that they get you for is you've got to have it altered. First of all, you got to everybody, no matter what, has to have the pants taken care of at the bottom. Of course, we know that. But sometimes the sleeves are a little too long and they need to be adjusted. Sometimes it's a little too too broad and it needs to be slimmed down. Whatever it is, alterations need to be done. And the same thing if you ladies buy a dress, sometimes you've got to take it to the seamstress and have it altered. Well, God is in the process of growing our faith and he does it in a personal way. So he allows circumstances to happen that we need to happen in our life to test our faith, to see it and to grow it and to stretch it so we can be pleasing to the Lord. And that's what we want to learn from the life of Abram today. And the question is, if you have God's promise for a thing, isn't that enough? If you have God's promise for a thing, isn't that enough? God stands on his promises. He honors those. He will fulfill those. And we find that the Lord is in this passage of scripture that we're going to read today. He's two things. He's our protector and he's our provider. And so that gives me a lot of confidence as I start off this year, 2015. I'm saying the Lord is my protector and the Lord is my provider. And when I go to work, and then when I go, to, if I go to school or you go to school or we go out in the world and things are happening, we can know that he's our protector and he's our provider. And that's a beautiful thing to know about. And so we're going to look at the story in Genesis chapter 15, verses one through seven. So we're going to put it up on the slide and we're going to read it together from the New King James Version. Genesis chapter 15 and verse Verses one to seven. Now think about this. The Lord had called Abraham to salvation in the 12th chapter of Genesis. He told him to leave his family, leave your father's house, leave all the wealth, leave everything because he was the oldest and he had he was over the whole household. And the Lord says, leave it all and go out to a land that I will show you. 
So get this. He told him to leave and he didn't tell him where he was going. But the Lord doesn't have to tell us where he's taking us. He's going to take us there and that should be enough for us. And we know eventually the final destination is where? It's heaven. But getting us there is a walk of faith one day at a time. And he doesn't reveal our whole life ahead of us and show us here's what your life's going to be and lay it all out because some of us would be scared to death if we knew that certain things were going to happen. But he just reveals it one day day at a time. And I love that. And I'm so thankful. Let's read Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. And it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, You have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. May God bless the reading of his word. Abraham is a is a work in progress. His faith is a work in progress. And I love how the Lord just directs everything by the Holy Spirit, because our dear brother Mark got up this morning and he said, let's turn to Genesis chapter 22. And I said, he's going to talk about Abraham. By then, that's what God's name had been changed to Abraham. And that was like the climax of his life. His faith was at its highest point. At the apex of that faith was when he went and offered up his son, Isaac, on the Mount of Moriah. That was the highest point of his faith. And in between, he had some little lapses. He went down into Egypt. He said, Sarah, tell the people that you're my, my, my sister. Don't say that you're my wife. And it was kind of like one of these white lies because she was his half-sister, but she was not, she was also his wife. And so he did that. And then he come, and that was in the 13th chapter. And then he comes out in the 14th chapter. And right away, he separates from Lot. Lot went one way and he went the other because there was quarreling between their herdsmen and so forth. They were both wealthy men at that point. And the Lord separated them from together. Lot went down to Sodom. And then in the 14th chapter, we see that Abraham then goes and he fights to get Lot back. He had to fight these kings and we're going to see that too today. And it's just amazing. So step by step, the Lord is growing his faith and we see it in so many ways in the life of Abraham. And we're going to see some of the ways in this chapter that the Lord grew his faith. Sometimes we sing in the song, he is my everything. He is my all. He is my everything, both great and small. He gave his life for me, made everything new. He is my everything. Now, how about you? When we think about that song and we think about the title of the message, The Lord is Our Enough, it makes us realize that he is our enough. He is our sufficiency. He is our El Shaddai. He is the almighty God. And when he comes to us and he comes in such mercy and such compassion and such love, and he doesn't come down heavy on us, he grows us. Little by little, day by day. And it says here in this verse, in verse one, 
Well, first of all, I also wanted to mention this other verse in, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 27 because it speaks of the great power of the Lord Jesus and, and the great power of God. In Jeremiah 32, 27, Jeremiah was speaking to the Lord and the Lord spoke to him and said, Behold, I am the Lord God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Now, every Christian intellectually will say, There is nothing too hard for the Lord, right? There is nothing that God cannot do in the world, in my life. We say it. It's easy to intellectually believe that. It's easy to say it, but it's much harder to actually put it into practice where how we live our life is depending on a God who can do everything. A God who can do what we call the impossible. And that's what he does. He's our protector and he's our provider. And we see right away in this verse, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. After these things. In chapter 14, I mentioned it already. There were four kings and they attacked five kings. And they came and took Sodom conquered it and took all the people away and all the goods, all the possessions. Can you imagine if somebody came to San Ramon today and invaded San Ramon and they took every person in San Ramon hostage and they took them all away and they took all the possessions that we have in San Ramon and just went off with it because that's what happened to Sodom. They they took the, the cupboard was bare. And Abram got the message, not on a cell phone, Not on a newspaper, not on a magazine, not on any computer or anything. He didn't get it breaking news from Fox or anything. But he heard about it, that this happened. And Lot, his nephew, who he loved very much, was one of those that was taken. So Abram didn't say, well, we better pray for him. He said, we're going to pray for him and we're going to go and we're going to bring him back. We're going to rescue him. Well, Abram, you're not a general. You're not a military Conqueror. I mean, we've never thought about Abraham being that way, right? Well, he had 318 men in his household, trained servants, and they took up arms. And Abram here was their leader. And they went off. And you think, what chance in the world would 318 non-military people, right, have against these huge armies that had just won this big battle? But see... You have to remember who's on their side. The American Revolution was an example of that when these few farmers and businessmen and they gathered arms led by George Washington. They were almost they went through the war and they almost starved and they they didn't think they were going to make it. And nobody thought they could beat this huge power in Great Britain. Right. But God was on their side and they won the victory. And just like Abram here, they won the victory. And so at the end of the story, two things happen. Number one, and we see it in the 14th chapter, is Melchizedek, king of Salem, came to Abram and he blessed him. And it says he blessed him. And he said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And it says he gave him a tenth of all. That's where tithing really started. It wasn't in the days of the, uh, of the Levites and so forth. It did happen, but here he gave him a tenth at that point in time. And then after that, the king of Sodom is so grateful because now he got all his people back. 
and all these possessions and everything back. And so he comes to Abraham in the 22nd verse and he says to him, but Abraham, uh, he says in the 21st verse, actually, now the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. Now, that would be great, right? I got all these riches now and they can have the people back. But I get all this, all this money and riches and all the things that were that were won through the battle. Abram would have nothing of it. He wouldn't do it. In verse 22, it says, but Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. And I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap that I will not take anything that is yours lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. He was willing to say no to all the things of this world. He says, no, the Lord is enough for me. And it's enough for me that I won back Lot. I got him back safe and his family and everything. They're back in their place. That's enough for me. I don't want anything of this world. And that was a step of faith he made, a commitment he made. And notice the only thing he wanted, he said in verse 23, except only... What the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre, let them take their portion. In other words, these are men who put their lives on the line. Let them have these things. Other than that, we want, I want nothing for myself. It was an act of faith. It was a blessing. And now the Lord is going to come to him and speak to him in the background. I wanted to mention that because this is the background when it says after these things, after all of those things happen, it says the word of the Lord came to him in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward in scripture. In the Old Testament in particular and on into the New Testament as well, when God spoke to people, he oftentimes did it in dreams and in visions. We see it in the life of Abraham. We see it in the life of Moses. We see it in the life of Joseph and Daniel and many different people in the New Testament and Cornelius and Peter and John. They, they had visions because they didn't have the word of God in its complete form like we have now. Now there's no more need of visions anymore. No need of dreams anymore because we have God's written word to lead us and guide us and strengthen us and give us hope and confidence. Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2 really describe that when it says God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things through whom he made the world. So now the word of the Lord is coming to him in a vision. And the first thing he tells him is, don't be afraid. And I was thinking, why did the, the first thing the Lord says to Abram, he says, don't be afraid. Why do you think he might have said, don't be afraid? Well, I'm thinking... He might have made a few enemies along the way, right? There may have been some other soldiers and people that are not too happy with him, what he did to those other armies. And so all these things that happen, he says, Abram, don't be afraid. And what a great word for us, right? As we start the beginning of this year, do not be afraid or fear not. Because we can say that only because the Lord is with us. We can say that because he's with us and when you have the Lord and you together, you're a majority. And that is a great encouragement to all of us. And it also is true. Whenever we have victories and whenever we have successes and things go right, 
Who was the first one there to greet us? The devil. The devil wants to come along and say, you know, you did a great job and you're a great guy and, and you did this on your own and you made it happen and this and this and this. And we have to be careful and on our guard more after we succeed than after we fail. Because if we fail and we go through hard times and difficult times, we get down on our knees and we trust in the Lord. And that's not a problem because that's good. But when we start succeeding, sometimes we start thinking, you know, I did pretty well on that. I got a good grade on that test. I got a good promotion at work. I, I, I got that, that, uh, that raise at work. I, I did it. It was, it was me. But we have to remember, it's not me. It's not you. It's the Lord. And he does things for us and he reminds us of what he has done for us. And he, so he tells Abram here, do not be afraid. It's amazing. And, and I know Shauna, she likes these acronyms and, and we all like them. And I found this great one yesterday when I was preparing this message. Fear. F-E-A-R. And I'm going to say it a couple times. Hopefully we can remember it because it's really great. F-E-A-R. False. Expectations appearing real. Isn't that, that's amazing. False expectations appearing real. That's what fear is. The devil puts up those false expectations. This is going to happen to you. And that's going to happen to you. And it's going to be bad and it's going to be terminal and it's going to be all of these things. False expectations appearing real. Because the Lord says, do not fear. Do not be afraid. And I love that. It's so amazing. In 1997, USA Today, which still exists, I believe, they uh, came up in an article in the edition between August 22nd and 24th entitled, Fear, What Americans Fear Most. And so, Alan, I know Alan likes the top 10 things. Well, I have 12 things here that really in 1997 were things that were on the minds of Americans that they feared. And I think a lot of these things are still fears today because they're big things that can happen in our lives. Number 12. And these are in the order of percentages that people were either afraid of or very afraid of. See how you do on this test. 12 things. Number one, natural disasters. Do we still have those? Oh, boy. And they're happening more now in 2015 than they did even in 1997. Natural disasters. AIDS made the list. Number 11, AIDS. What's happening today? AIDS is kind of on the back burner in some ways, but it's still it's coming back too. there's people that are getting it. And how about Ebola? Ooh, that would make the list now in 2015, wouldn't it? People scared to death of Ebola. And it's deadly to so many. Number 10. The next one is being a victim of individual violence. That's another one. Another one is being unable to pay current debts. Unable to pay. That's a fear that so many people have. Another one is... And as I was thinking about that, right, it says being a victim of individual violence. What I had my cell phone sitting right on the on the desk and I had it up there like that. Breaking news from Fox. 
down in Texas, there was a hostage situation. I go, wow, Lord, it's still happening every day. Things that make us afraid in this world. Another one, number seven, pesticides on food. Is that real today, right? Salmonella and all the things, we still have it. Number six, getting Alzheimer's. That's number six. That's a fear people have. Number five, food poisoning from meat. That's another one, still relevant to today. Number four, and this is a big one, folks, not having enough money for retirement. Is that a fear or what? They say like only 38% of the people have enough money to retire on. That makes a pretty large percentage don't. So it's a fear. People have a fear of not having enough. And one to go with that is the next one in line, which is not having uh, confidence or inadequate social security. Some tell us, right, Mark, it may not be around when, when we come to retire. Who knows? Number two, having cancer. Having cancer. How many heard about Stuart Scott this week? The name Stuart Scott came up in the news. He was 49 years old. A wonderful guy. As far as we know, though, not saved. But he had cancer. And I found out that he contracted cancer in 2007. But nobody knew about it, right? He had cancer. He went through treatments. He was in remission. It came back. It came back. And one of the reasons I know about it, because one day I was watching Monday Night Football. We had a day off from church and I was watching Monday Night Football or before we went to the meeting and there was a bunch of them. They were all there, Steve Young and all the ones, the analysts that they have on ESPN and they were all like sending out greetings to Stuart and they were wishing him well. The next thing we know, this week we heard that he passed away of cancer at the age of only 49 years old. Number one thing, And I don't know why it's number one on the list, but it's number one on the list is being involved in a car crash. So these are things that make people afraid and can paralyze you with fear. But we thank God that when the Lord says he's with us and he says, I'm with you till the end of the age. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Do not fear. And that is an encouragement to me. And he tells us why here in this verse, in verse one, he tells us why we shouldn't fear. He says, I'm your shield. In other words, I'm your protector and I'm your exceedingly great reward. I'm your provider. And that's really relevant because after all the things that happened in chapter 14, he says, I'm your shield. I'm going to protect you from anybody that might come and try to attack you. And I'm going to provide for you. You gave up all that money that you could have had from the king of Sodom, and I'm going to be your exceedingly great reward. What a promise. What an encouragement. As we go into this new year, it is such a blessing. You know, the Lord is our protector. Can you imagine if you had a 24-hour bodyguard? And I mean this big, strong bodyguard. And everywhere you went, and he's armed too. He's big and strong and tough, and he's he's packing heat. So so there is nobody going to touch you, right? Well, there could be somebody that could get to you, right? They could somehow work it out where they could, when their bodyguard is not on guard too good, they could, they could do it. But when the Lord is your bodyguard and he says, I'm your shield, that's a great thing. He's our protector. He's our shield. You know, you can feel pretty confident when you have a shield, don't you? When you have a shield and the Romans used to have their shield and they'd put them up and they had these big shields that would cover your whole body. So when the arrows came, they'd cover their body and then they would they would fight. They would fight the fight. And so when Paul said in in 
Ephesians 6, he says, take the shield of faith. That's what we shield off those those fiery missiles that the devil shoots at us. He's our shield. But it's not only that he gives us a shield. He says, I am your shield. And we see it today in so many ways. We know that soldiers have body armor when they go out and fight in the war to protect them. We know that police officers have bulletproof vests that they wear that can protect them. But sometimes the bullet can get through. But they have bulletproof vests. We know that firefighters have special clothing that they wear and and things. We know that medical personnel and astronauts, they have special suits too to protect them. But there's no better protection than the Lord himself. He says, I am your shield. So if we're going to walk out in confidence, in faith in 2015, we need to remember the Lord is my shield. Personally, he says that to each one of us. He says, I am your shield. So he says, don't fear. And we notice that it is a personal God that we have. Seven times in scripture, we have this expression that he is my shield. In Psalm 18 and verse two, it says this so beautifully. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I mean, that gives you a lot of confidence. You know, so many atheists and cynics and scoffers, they say, you Christians, you're always talking about the Lord doing this and protecting you and giving you strength and help and all that. You're weak. You, you use Christianity as a crutch. You use God as a crutch. If you want to say that about me, fine. Because he is my everything. He is my sufficiency. He is my enough. Yes, I need his help. I don't want to rely on myself. I rely on him. He's much stronger, much wiser, much better than I am. And if I go out trying to fight the battles myself, I can't win it. Abram and his forces couldn't have won it without the Lord. And the Lord is with us every day in what we go through. And it gives us great confidence and great encouragement. Yes, he's our provider and he's our protector. And it's a wonderful thing. But it's interesting. After the Lord gives this great statement, Do not be afraid. I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. What's the first words that come out of his mouth? Now, granted, I am no different. You are no different. We're very similar to Abram. We are. But listen to what he said. But Lord Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Do we ever act like Abram? The Lord has blessed us. He's saved us. He's given us all these things. And then we pick one little thing that we don't have. One little thing that we've always wanted. One hope or dream that we always wanted to have. And we focus on that and not all the great things that God has done for us. We're just like him. We're no different. We do the same kind of thing. Yes, Lord, you've blessed me. You've done so many great things. But, and there's always a but, you haven't given me that husband yet. You haven't given me that wife yet. You haven't given me a house yet. I'm still living in an apartment. You haven't given me the job yet, the career. That, and we look at those things and we say, but Lord, but Lord. And we do the same kind of thing. And it would have been very easy for the Lord to say, Abram, really? 
after what I did for you in the 14th chapter and in the 13th chapter and in the 12th chapter and how I've been with you and how I've saved you and I've been doing all these great things for you. Really? That's all you can come up with? Yet you don't have a child? The Lord had promised that he would have descendants in the 13th chapter. He promised you're going to have descendants and they're going to be as many as the dust of the earth. So in one sense, he's right. He's saying, Lord, time's getting away from us here. I'm getting older. I don't have descendants. I don't even have a son. I don't have even one son. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus, who's my servant. He's a good servant, but he's not he's not my son. And all my riches and all my wealth is going to go to him. Lord, what's with that? That the Lord is so patient. He says, Abram, come on, let's go outside. So he goes outside the tent and it's at night. You know, it's at night from the context. And he says, Abram, you see up there in the sky? What do you see? Stars, right? If you can count the number of stars up there, that's if you can, then you can count your descendants. He says, your descendants are going to be like the dust of the earth and like the stars in the heaven. And one Bible commentator says when he speaks about the dust of the earth, he's talking about Israel. And so from Abraham, Israel will come and be like the dust of the earth. And then the stars speak of the born again believers who come through faith in Abraham. So you have the dust and you have the stars. And he's given him this great lesson. They went and did some stargazing that night. And he says, count them. Start counting them. And one person said, well, maybe in that area that he was looking at, maybe you could count up to like 4,000. There's millions and billions of stars out there that we can't even see. And they're way out there in the forest reaches of the universe. Our God is an awesome God, a great God. And so he's saying, Abraham, don't you think I can take care of that? Don't you think I can provide a son for you? He says, no, the one born in your house, that this, your servant is not going to be your heir. You're going to have a son who's born from your own body. You're going to have a son. And that was the amazing thing. God was so patient with him and so incredibly blessed. And so what we take from this is that the Lord is with us and whatever the Lord gives us in our life, we should be thankful for it and we should be content with it. And if the Lord says no to something and he withholds it, he has a very good reason for that. And then if he takes something away from us that's not good in our life, we should be happy with that too. So can you be happy in those three different ways? Happy what he gives, happy with what he withholds and happy with what he takes away. That's true faith when we can really love God enough to know that he loves us enough to be our enough and say, I'll give you, but I'll also withhold and I'll also take away. And that is where faith comes in. And that's why Abraham grew in his faith. And later on, though, it's so amazing because later on. It start, it start getting older and Sarah's getting older and Abraham's getting older at that point in time. And then Sarah has an idea. Let's see. God hasn't answered this prayer yet. He, he, he hasn't. So you take Hagar, my bondwoman here, the, the servant, and go into her and we'll have a son through her. That worked out pretty well, right? Oh, they're still fighting between the Arabs and the Jews because of that decision of not waiting for God's will to be fulfilled, to do it on their own. 
And then even after the Lord came to him and said, Abraham, no, he's not going to be your heir. I'm going to give you a son. He says, oh, that Ishmael may live before you. But when God gave them the son, he gave him the son of the promise. He gave him that son and they named him Laughter because Sarah laughed when she heard that she was going to give birth at that kind of age. She laughed. She laughed in her heart. And the Lord says, nope, you laughed. You laughed. And sometimes we look at things that are so impossible in our life and we just laugh. How is God going to do that one? And what does he do? Something greater than we could ever expect. Because in the scripture, it says he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. That's tremendous. That's tremendous. And when he gave him that son, then comes chapter 22. And then he asked him to offer him up after all that, Lord, that you've done. But the Lord tested Abraham and he saw that his faith was real and he was at the apex of his faith. And God spared Isaac, as we mentioned, and gave him the lamb there. And that that lamb pointed to the lamb, Jesus Christ, who would come years later and die for our sins so that we can have eternal life and be a child of Abraham. It's so incredible. It's so much a blessing. And we're thankful for it. So let's remember today, God is our enough. He's all we need. And when we commit our life to him, we find him as our protector and we find him as our provider. And he's both. And he's with us. And he's with us in victory and he's with us in defeat and success or failure, whatever we go through. And we should be thankful because the Lord is so good. And we have to remember, we have an awesome God. And we're going to face this year. We don't know what it's going to be yet. We're going to face probably some pretty big problems and trials and difficulties. We don't know all of what we're going to face. But the Lord says, I'm going to take your hand and I'm going to be with you all the way. I'm going to be with you all the way through it. No matter what it is, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to get you through to the other side. And what a blessing it is. It gives you confidence. He's our shield. He's our exceedingly great reward. And it's such a blessing. We have a great God. He's greater than we can ever comprehend. And he's with us as a personal God and Savior. And if you've never received Jesus Christ, never accepted him, never thought that he wants to have a personal relationship with you, you can do it today. Just come to him and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need you. And I know you died on that cross for my sins. And I accept you into my heart today to be my Lord and Savior. I give it all over to you. Come into my life. He'll change you today and make you a new person so that that song and will come alive to you as never before. And if you're here today and you know the Lord, He's going to walk with you this year. He's going to do great things this year. He's going to be with you through everything you go through. And at the end of the year, we'll look back and say, thank you, Lord. I didn't think I could make it. Thank you, Lord. You got me through. And He is a great God. Shall we just pray? Father, we thank you that you inspired Abram, later became Abraham, to be the father of faith and to have that great faith. But he was a work in progress like we are, Lord. Please grow our faith. Help us to depend on you through everything. We thank you that you're an awesome God. You're with us, Lord. And we pray that if anyone here is ready to accept Christ, that now will be the day that they get saved. And for those of us who are believers, Lord, strengthen us for the journey ahead. Give us wisdom. Help us to give everything over to you, to trust you and obey you, and to have that faith. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.